For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional Cyber Savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. Hello, it is Tuesday, February 4th, 2020. I'm recording in the studio with all the boys. So you will not hear my fiance Samantha in the background or my dog snoring or my other dog Chuck shitting on the floor. You will hear <laughs> cackling of the boys as we wrap this up. Today's a big, hey, big show today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge. We got interviews and conversations with folks that I never thought we'd get interviews or conversations with. And although we didn't get definitive answers on a lot of things, I think you can read between the lines and <laughs> learn what's going to happen in the future for a couple of our guests. I'm excited for you to hear Drew Brees talk to us. Now, I, now listen, I did not back off, by the way. I let him know that I, I potentially once called his baby a dumb baby. <laughs> he respected you for it, too. Multiple times. I think he did. Now, Drew Brees shook everybody's hand in the entire radio row. Everybody. Cuban Zeke got a handshake, Foxy yeah. got a handshake, I got a handshake, Young Jeezy got a handshake, everybody got a handshake, except for Ty Schmidt. So Ty's a little bitter towards the old Drew Brees. He was kind of off in the side there. I don't think Drew knew you were there. No, he was. He had to. He actually like had to like push my back down to uh, shake, <laughs> shake Zeke's hand. So, yeah. shook it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Drew was literally the nicest dude ever. Wait till you hear this conversation with him. He's so nice. He's just going to hold a grudge yeah, forever. Nice on the surface. Drew Brees is a prick. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. Drew Brees is not at all. I would like that to be known. Drew Brees was very nice to us. <laughs> no, I had a bad go. My thoughts do not represent those of my employer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very thankful for Drew Brees coming on the show. Excited for you guys to hear him. Also, uh, SeatGeek is the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. That's right. If you're going to buy tickets to a live event, whether it's uh, comedy, whether it's uh, music, how about a play? Mm. Oh, I love a good play. Sporting event, although NFL is done, guess what's right around the corner? XFL games. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you can take that. How about basketball? Is it basketball Uh-oh. season? Oh, yes, big time. it is. Nick would tell us that it's hockey season if he was here, so it's not. Uh, baseball's right around the corner. Yeah, right around the corner. Listen, Valentine's Day is coming up. Go ahead and get her a gift. Of a live event. Go ahead and get a gift for yourself, maybe. You deserve it to get out on the town. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek. And if you use promo code PAT, get $10 off your first order. Promo code McAfee, $20 off your first order. Holy hell, man. Wow. Wow, yeah. We're just giving that stuff away. Uh, SeatGeek is our presenting sponsor, our original sponsor, and very good humans. And if you're going to buy tickets from anybody, you need to buy tickets from them because they scan all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best value for the tickets that you purchase. You're not going to get catfished either. A ticket that you buy is the ticket that you get. So you can shop with confidence. All right, let's get to this damn show, shall we? It really does feel as if a new year has actually began. That diet you wanted to start on January 1st, now it starts today. Maybe a couple new routines or new habits you'd like to install in your life. Today's a good day for it because the NFL season has concluded. Yesterday's game was absolutely beautiful. Going in there, we didn't know what was going to happen. Was the high-flying offense of the Kansas City Chiefs 
going to be able to take on the dominant defense from the San Francisco 49ers? Was Jimmy G, who only threw the ball eight times in the NFC Championship game, going to be able to guide his team to victory in Miami against a Kansas City Chiefs defense that had been hot since week 11? Started out very, very hot for the San Francisco 49ers. Debo Samuel was making plays all over the place. It ended up being 10-10 basically for majority of the game. Then the San Francisco 49ers make Patrick Mahomes look like something he isn't, which was an average quarterback. The defense was suffocating. And although Andy Reid had some beautiful, choreography in the backfield which led to some points and although Andy Reid was able to move the ball a little bit a 10-10 tie at halftime was nothing that we thought it was going to be San Francisco 49ers would then go on to take a 10 point lead up 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter Kyle Shanahan has been here Kyle Shanahan has done this he was up 28 to 3 if you do recall in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl There was no way this Patrick Mahomes, who had already thrown two picks, was going to be able to lead this team back and win a Super Bowl in his third year. There was no way that Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team that looked very average was going to be able to make it happen in the final seven minutes. But then lo and behold, the last three possessions of the San Francisco 49ers averaged 51 seconds. Jimmy G misses a shot deep. A ball was dropped. Kyle Shanahan completely gets away from the run game yet again. And Patrick Mahomes, not only MVP of the NFL last year, but now a Super Bowl MVP, guides the team back in beautiful fashion. Old Mr. Williams, the running back, is a guy that I think the rest of the NFL should be very, very scared of. If you have a quarterback who has all these weapons, five wide like a track meet that can dink and dunk and throw the ball further than your quarterback can, but then you also have a run game that can ground and pound your way to a victory, that is something that is a recipe for success for the long haul. In the AFC Championship game in the second half, they handed the ball off to him. He just took the clock right out of the Titans' life. And then, to seal the victory, Williams runs it down. Tyreek Hill gets open deep. And Patrick Mahomes wins a Super Bowl for the city of Kansas City, Missouri. (laughs) Missouri. A lot of people wondered, did Patrick Mahomes deserve the MVP? And it's all about how you look at it. Is it what you got to get to the Super Bowl? Is it just the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl? Or are you only judging what happens in the Super Bowl for the Super Bowl MVP? If you go back to when the Colts beat the Bears in the Super Bowl, a lot of people say Edron James probably deserved that. Or Joseph Adai, I forget which running back. The running back deserved the MVP, but they gave it to Peyton Manning because the entire year leading up to the Super Bowl was basically on Peyton's back. Patrick Mahomes did not play like Patrick Mahomes for the first three and a half quarters of that game last night. He was off. He looked tight. There was balls being missed that he didn't normally miss. And even on that third and 15 deep ball that he threw the Tyreek Hill, it wasn't a standard Patrick Mahomes ball. But what Patrick Mahomes did all season, not all season actually, second half of the season and in the playoffs and then in that fourth quarter, warrants an MVP, warrants a $200 million contract that he's going to get, and good for Andy Reid finally getting the monkey off of his back and winning the Super Bowl. I loved every single moment of it. Every single moment of it. I hammered the Kansas City Chiefs minus one and a half. 
I did a long time ago. I went on every show and talked about it, and every human that was a super smart human was telling me, like, hey, defense wins championships. There's a reason. Defense wins championships. And damn, it looked like it for a long time. I even lost a little bit of hope. I even said, oh, my, I was wrong. I was preparing for an entire show of this week talking about how I was wrong in the fact that defense does win championships. And in the end, turns out, Kansas City Chiefs defense did a great job. Their defense did help them win a championship. But whenever Patrick Mahomes and that offense had to make plays, they did. And ultimately, they covered the live over that was at 47 and a half. That hit. The money line in the tails call. That hit. I mean, I won 10 out of 12 last night on bets. I had a big night on FanDuel trying to bankrupt every single dollar that they have. Uh, we might have done it, by the way. Uh, Gumpy was the only one in our office that hammered the Niners I believe did you Diggs nope just Gumpy uh, Diggs and <laughs> That's Gumpy, a lie. the two guys that run one of our betting shows good better bets hammered the Niners and Gumpy I think the thing about watching you watch that game last night is just like Tyron Matthew whenever they went away from the run and they started throwing the Niners now they only rushed the ball 10 times in the second half they were averaging 6.9 yards per rush, the San Francisco 49ers. Mostert didn't get the rock until the middle of the second quarter. He had just rushed for 220 yards in the NFC Championship. There was a lot of interesting decisions being made by Kyle Shanahan. But you could tell and see your soul just getting sucked out of you every single time Jimmy G dropped back to pass whenever everybody pretty much knew that that offense could run the ball anytime they wanted. I love Shanahan. I hate to crush him, but, I mean, you got to do what you did to get you there, right? I mean, a lot of people are saying, is it Shanahan's fault or is it Jimmy G's fault? Is it Shanahan's fault that they had a 10 point lead and they only rushed the ball 10 times in the second half and they chose not to get Mostert the rock until the middle of the second quarter? A lot of people are wondering, is this Shanahan's fault? I think you could definitely place some blame on old Kyle Shanahan. I think anytime somebody wins or loses, the coach either gets credit or the blame. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But the fact that they weren't running the rock more towards the end there, I think is a very suspect decision. The fact that the last three series that they had average 51 seconds whenever you're in the lead is a very difficult stat to look at if you're the head coach and also the play caller whenever you're looking back on a game that you guys had the lead and potentially could have won a Super Bowl and instead you lost and then if you flip it over to Jimmy G people are like is it Jimmy G's fault Jimmy G was one of nine on passes longer than 20 yards and had two interceptions whenever he had any pressure at all on him Jimmy G did not have a great game as well that Emmanuel Sanders go route that if Jimmy G hits there we're having a completely different show today we're talking about Jimmy G, who all year had the clutch gene, by the way. Number one in the NFL in the fourth quarter. Number one in QBR whenever he was trailing. All these things that Jimmy G had going into the, the game that made people say, you know what, although they handed the ball off eight times in the NFC, or only threw the ball eight times in the NFC Championship, Jimmy G can win a game for you if you need to. There was a couple plays last night where Jimmy G could have won the game for the Niners, and he just didn't. That's just the facts of life. That's just how we have to look at the game. So people are saying, is it Garoppolo's fault? Is it Shanahan's fault? I think this particular show takes a very strong stand that we blame both the son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we do. And, and to my bank account and to my gambling um, last night, I thank them both for the decisions that they made. And I think on the other side, I think old Andy Reid Running that option towards Bosa early was a beautiful thing. I think the Patrick Mahomes was not hot last night. Patrick Mahomes is off. 
biggest game in the history of games, no matter how calm, cool, and collected you are, in this type of situation, you can be off a little bit. He seemed a little tight. He missed a couple passes. Passes that were very routine for Patrick Mahomes throughout the season and in the playoffs seemed to be a little bit more difficult. But whenever Patrick Mahomes had to make a play, Patrick Mahomes made the damn play. And that's the difference between Patty Mahomes and a lot of other quarterbacks, mm-hmm. including Jimmy G. Whenever the play had to be made, you knew and had a feeling that Patrick Mahomes was going to make it. It's just like back in the day whenever Tom Brady would get the ball in the fourth quarter. If Tom Brady got the ball in the fourth quarter and they needed to score, everybody knew what was going to happen. Tom Brady was going to walk right down the field and score. Mm-hmm. There was just nothing anybody could do about it. Nothing. Last night, whenever Patrick Mahomes had to make a play, I feel like everybody in the in the world was like, yep, Patrick Mahomes is going to make a play, and he did just that. Shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, too. Now, Patrick Mahomes saw some pressure. He got sacked. He stripped fumble happened, that whole thing. I mean, there was some pressure. But at the end, whenever they had to run the four-minute offense in ground and pound with an opportunity to potentially have to punt the ball back to the Niners, they go ahead and score with a run that was wide open for Williams. And I think that was an awesome team victory for the entire Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, what I loved about the whole game is that we saw everything from each team. Like Mahomes and the Chiefs offense made plays. 49ers defense made plays. The uh, Chiefs defense stepped up. The 49ers run game made some plays. So it was like everything that everyone had talked about needed to happen in the game did happen. It's just that in the end... Chiefs offense, and, Patrick Mahomes made more plays. And Kyle Shanahan abandoned the run <laughs> whenever they were in the lead in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. After Mahomes was picked with 12 minutes left, they ran two, there was two, the two drives after that, they ran five passes, three runs, only ran off four minutes of the clock. George Kittle pointed back to the interception where they got no points as being mm-hmm. the reason why they mm-hmm. lost. And I think that's an incredibly mature hindsight look at it because that's true. I think they – did something that not a lot of people were able to do, which is get a turnover from Patrick Mahomes. Did twice. Did it late with a lead. Have to punish Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs whenever that happens. They just weren't able to do that. And by the way, Chris Jones is an animal. Yeah. Tyron Matthew, beast. Frank Clark, hilariously great football player. He's hilarious and he's a great football player. That Chiefs defense had to step up and they did on numerous occasions. Man that's about to join us right now is here for Smoothie King, who he has a long time been a fan and a partner of. Smoothie King is obviously the greatest smoothie restaurant brand in the history of smoothies. Mm-hmm. This man, though, has basically every single quarterback record that you could possibly want and ask for. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, Super Bowl champion in this city, quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, with a question mark as his future one of the greatest to ever play the football, <laughs> Drew Brees. Let's go, Drew! <laughs> What's up, Pat? How are we doing? Drew, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I know you're yeah. a very busy man, very successful man. Thanks for bringing me a smoothie. I'm on a diet. This is good because Smoothie yeah. King does that for you. That's right. There's plenty of, of fit and, and health and wellness uh, smoothies. And so I'm not sure what your fitness goals are at this point. I need to lose about a good 40. <laughs> Drew. Well, I, I, I brought you the starting point. <laughs> Rule the day. Today's day one. I appreciate you, Drew. You're a good yeah. human. All right. I saw you at the Pro Bowl. My first time getting a chance to interact with you. You were nothing but professional with every single person. All of your teammates say Drew Brees is this outstanding individual. Now, you're at a point in your life, though, where the said outstanding individual who has every single quarterback record you could potentially want is at a crossroads almost. You're at a point for the first time in your career, I think, where everybody is wondering what the hell Drew Brees is going to do. And my question is this. The last time you and I were in this city together, 
Okay. <laughs> the last time you and I were in this city together, it ended with me walking off of the field. Okay, there was confetti flying, and I walked into the most miserable locker room I've ever been in my entire life. And the last image I have before walking into the most miserable locker room I've ever been was you up on the jumbotron with your baby. Okay. Celebrating, and I, I might have called your baby dumb before. I, it's not a dumb baby, very smart baby. You and your baby out there celebrating a Super Bowl victory. Now, is that what you're still playing for? Is that moment right there? Is that what the contemplation is? Is I want to relive that moment with my kids? Is that the, what you're still playing for? Is I want another Super Bowl moment? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thought of whether or not you're going to play is going to come down to what? Well, I feel like there's a process, right? It's not like you just wake up one day and say, yeah, I'm going to retire, you know, yeah. um, especially when you play this long. Um, listen, I, I have such a love and a respect for the game. And for the longest time, you just imagine yourself playing forever. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, and I kind of did this math in my head recently where, you know, I just turned 41 years old, but I've played organized football for 30 years. Right. So three quarters of my life has been dedicated, devoted to being the best that I could be at football and and that structure in your life that football gives you right yep. and every decision that you make in your life is based upon you as a football player like what you're going to eat right yep. what you're putting in your body your sleep habits your your training your recovery your oh I can't do that because you know yep. it, it's all about being the best football player that you can be and so listen that's a huge responsibility Right? And commitment. And commitment. And, and then it's also scary to think, man, it, if, I, if I walk away from that, well, you know, like, where's the structure now? You know? yeah. Listen, now, there's no doubt. I mean, i got a plan for life after football, right? I mean, I, I, I feel like my, my next chapter is going to be even better than this previous chapter. I agree. Right? Smoothie King, Jimmy Johns, I believe. You have a lot of yeah, other business so, interests. Exactly. And so many other passions and hobbies and things I want to pursue and time with my family and coaching my kids and watching them grow up and... Uh, being an even bigger part of their life, you know, because obviously football pulls us away a lot, right? So, um, but I also understand the opportunity, right, that, that I've been given. I'm so grateful to have been able to play 19 years thus far in the NFL. Hell yeah. So, um, it's there's just a process, you know. There's just a process, and, and um, over the last three years especially, I've, I've truly taken the approach, like, man, I'm just playing it one year at a time. And I'm going to... I'm not going to take anything for granted. I am going to enjoy it a little bit more. Yep. You know, I, I'm going to take throughs, gonna, the, everything. Yeah, the locker room, the, the flights home after a big road win. I mean, I'm going to enjoy it more than I ever have. And you know what? I have. I've been more fun playing football the last three years than I ever have. The last three years, though, yeah. devastating endings to the season. Devastating, by the way. Each and every single year. And I think this is the impressive thing about you. And I got a chance to play with Peyton, who at his peak years was an older age, right? And I heard you do an interview where you said, as you get older, your body is kind of getting slower down, but your mind is getting better. So you're doing everything you possibly can to keep your body as good as possible because your mind is at this peak level. Yeah. And you have played at this incredibly high level for so long, even in the last couple of years, whenever everybody would think maybe you'd tail off a little bit. You have not at all. Now, will the devastating endings to the season, is that a part of the decision-making on whether or not you go one more year? Is that something that you have to think about? Like, for instance, you go to overtime with the Vikings, and everybody says maybe a push-up, maybe not a push-up. But then you got the damn Minneapolis miracle. Then the phantom pass interference. Are these the things that maybe a bad taste in your mouth is left at the end of the season? You're like, 
I still got it in me. I still got to go another one. Is that something that gets into the fray yeah, of the thought? Yeah, I, I think I think that's. Listen, we we all want to we all want to win it right off into the sunset, right? Amen. I think you can <laughs> I mean, too, by the way. Yeah. So that's the ideal scenario, right? Um, and 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 forget the. Listen, there's always something to prove. Like I can sit up here each and every year and tell you, man, I still got something to prove. I'm still going to play. I can make that justification every year. And in that case, I play till I'm 65. You know, <laughs> but like like at some point, it, it, there's there's a lot more that goes into it. And it, and and really, when I walk away from this game, it's not going to. I don't want it to be because I can't play anymore. I don't want it to be because there's 32 the teams saying, off. ah, it's time to go. You know. I want it to be on my own terms, and I want it to be because you know what, I've I've given everything I could to this game while I had the chance. I'm so grateful for those moments and those relationships and everything that came as a result of football. But now it's time for the next chapter. It's time for me to spend more time with my family. I don't want to talk about your retirement too much, but that is the big story surrounding you because you're one of the league's greatest players of all time. So that's going to be something that's talked about. I'd like to celebrate the career that you've had. You not getting voted into the NFL's top 100 list was one of the biggest crimes I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. My entire life. I, I, I made no sense to me. But being a guy that likes to prove things and prove people wrong, is that something that you would put in your back pocket and be like, you know what? These sons of bitches. <laughs> is, that, is that something at this point? Super Bowl champion, you have all the records. Is that something that even matters to you? You're going to be a Hall of Famer, guaranteed Hall of Famer. Is that something you even think about? That is a great question. That is a great question. Thank you. That's a good show. <laughs> I'd, I, I'd say I'd say better than a good show. I'd say a well above average show. Hey, well hey, hey, hey! We're gonna clip that. Someone clip yeah, that. We're gonna clip yeah. that. Clip that, please. Clip that, please. Is that wait Cuban Z? What's yeah, Cuban Z? Cuban Z. Hey, yeah. Let's let's clip that. <laughs> um, well, l- let me ask you this question first. All right. Well, uh, short answer, yes, a little bit. Listen, okay. I I love. I love ammunition. Like, yes, more ammunition. <laughs> let's go. But, but seriously, you'd say you're a you're a historian of the game, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's a hard. That was a hard job. That's a hard task. Terrible right? to find eras. the top ten and these. Yeah, and you're evaluating eras. And listen, I, I I have great respect as you go through the eras for many of these quarterbacks, right? And when you look at them, arguably. Man, during these times, they were doing things that nobody else had done mm-hmm. up to this point, right? So they Trailblazing. Were, they were revolutionizing yeah. the game, right? And then inevitably the next era comes, and they do the same thing. Yep. And then the next era, and then now we're looking at Patrick Mahomes going, you know, has anybody Bonkers. played the game like this, <laughs> yes. right? Or, you know, Lamar Jackson. And so, man, like the game evolves, right? And I, I just think it's cool. To, to say, man, you were one of the guys that helped revolutionize this game, or you were one of the guys who did something that nobody had ever done before, or did it for you know, so much longer than anybody had done it for at such a, a consistent level. You know, I, I think there's so many guys that are in that category, and it's impossible to put it into a top ten. Well, Drew, you revolutionized the game. you're forced to. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, you revolutionized the game. Yeah. You did. You should have. Okay, well, I appreciate it. My Thank guy you. Diggs over here, big fan of yours, has a question. You had a viral moment earlier this year when you gave a pregame speech to Purdue. Quarterbacks, D-backs, wide receivers, oh, you yeah. list them all off. But I don't <clears throat> hear punters and kickers. I don't know if they cut <clears throat> the video off. <laughs> what was that or about, Or do you just Drew? not respect punters and kickers? True, what was that? Oh, Thomas Morstead says he loves you. <laughs> and then I watch that speech at Purdue. You're like, you know what? Right. Everybody on this team is going to do good today except for the punters <laughs> and the kickers. No. What's that all about? So, so, uh, so I'll be honest with you. So, it, you know, they, they, <laughs> they, 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 they uh, first of all, 
Morstead, I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will Lutz, I love you. Zach Wood, long snapper, I love you. Good teammate, by the way. You guys just—you you didn't mention the long snapper. I know, here, did I know. You? I'm a terrible guy. Neither, huh? you did, you let's get that. back to you not mentioning. <laughs> you need that guy, by the way. Agreed. Okay, so um, you know they had asked me, hey, would you give us a pregame speech? And, and so for you know a week, like I'm just I'm thinking about it. You know, uh, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Just kind of grab something from the moment, and you know you're interested to hear what the coach is saying to him, kind of reemphasize that. And so I get in the locker room, and still like leading up to it, it's like I kind of have a few points, but you know there's just that flow that you're going to go with that you're just seeing how it's coming together and as I'm in the locker room I'm looking up and they have the position well they no, no they just have they just have the position groups right oh, there yeah. and so I can I can direct my focus yep. uh -huh. you know D-backs right linebackers you know QBs you know they kind of had the sections right yeah well so this now is that I fault. think about it there was not a yeah, section this is Purdue's fault they I knew it they didn't have a sign <laughs> that said hey punters <laughs> You guys hang out over here next to the Gatorade cooler, you know, or kickers. They just didn't have that. So, yeah. I'm they set you up for failure. There was no signage to remind me that punters and kickers were part of the team. That All right. Sense. I respect that. you got to get out of here. Drew, I appreciate you so much. You legend of the game, man. Absolute legend of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, Drew Brees. Thank you so much, Drew. Yeah. We're two minutes late. I apologize on that. He's got to get going. Hey, Drew, you're the that? best. All right. He just dapped up Cuban <laughs> Zeke. Hey, have a good one, Drew. Sorry to interrupt this incredible conversation. I just wanted to tell Connor that although he read an ad about this guy during our live show that didn't count towards the ads that this guy paid for, <laughs> I want to let you know that there's this guy in Philadelphia that we've been hearing about for years. And I've been telling you all about his damn diamonds, haven't I, Gumpy? Yes, sir. Gumpy, you love back in Canada? I hope so. Ah, whatever. I would, I'll stay here. I'm good. When are you going back? Saturday. We're going to miss you, pal. Uh, going to miss you, guys. going to miss you, guys. Pub, you've really become a staple of the pub. Pub's yeah. good. I've enjoyed the pub. Hey! There it is. There it is. Hey. Not as good as the diamonds from Steven Singer. <laughs> uh -oh. They say I hate Steven Singer because other jewelers hate this guy because he's been making it too easy to buy gifts for over four decades. Valentine's Day is here. You're probably thinking, I'll just get her flowers again. But flowers die and end up in the trash can within a week. Is that how it works in Canada, too? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Give her a gift that lasts as long as you love. A real 24-karat gold-dipped rose from Steven Singer Jewelers. Picture it. A real long-stem rose preserved and dipped in 24-karat pure gold. This real rose will last forever and comes with a lifetime guarantee. Ship for free in a beautiful gift box with your own personalized message of love. For instance, Connor, the lady that you bought your 24-karat dipped real gold rose yeah. for, what was your personalized message of love that you wrote on that that came with the beautiful gift box for Valentine's Day? You have the nicest personality. I love you so much, and I'm so glad you go to a different school that nobody has to see you. <laughs> Deep message. See, you could be a romantic just like Connor. These roses will never die. They won't even wilt, and they don't need water, and it will remind her each and every day of your love. If this is your first, Steven's signature red rose is a classic and only 59 bucks. Go online to IHateStevenSinger.com, click on the roses, and become a hero this Valentine's Day. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. Back to the show. <laughs> Joining us, friend of the show, Michael Lombardi. Hello, Patrick. Mr. Lombardi, 
What was your takeaway from that game yesterday? Aside from a couple questionable calls from the refs, which is kind of just a a, a picture of the depiction of the entire season, is that, you know, refs aren't going to get it all right. That push-off push on Kittle we're going to talk about forever. The offsides on the Chiefs there that Shanahan almost threw on a ref for. We'll talk about that for a little bit. There was a, a neutral zone infraction lineup by the Niners that wasn't called. Aside from that, what was your big takeaway from the game, Mr. Lombardi? Well, I think add, add another thing is uh, my one takeaway that affects it, Barry Anderson, the umpire, I didn't realize he was going to take the day off. <laughs> because, I mean, Barry Anderson is the umpire. He's in charge of call holding. And if you were to tell me, and I said this on my podcast, I didn't get a chance to talk to you last week, but I said it, if they're not going to call holding on the Chiefs in this game, the Chiefs can't block them. And if this game is going to go the entire time, I said Kyle Shanahan should go to the referees and say, Hey, if you're not going to call holding in this game, just give them the trophy right now. That just was, give them the trophy right now. That was something. 42 passes. They don't get. Barry Anderson doesn't call one holding penalty the whole game. Nobody gets called for holding. It's just, it's, it's remarkable to me. When we spent a summer, Pat, a summer, all of August, how many holding calls did we get? A billion. All the preseason was holding, 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 right? That's all we got. The biggest game of the year, they don't. My takeaway is this: is is if you're if even if you're great at something, like Nolan Ryan can throw a fastball, Roger Clement can throw a fastball. Even if you're great at something, you got to have another pitch. And I think once the Chiefs finally tired out the front of the 49ers, they were able to gain 193 yards in the fourth quarter, control the ball for nine minutes, get 11 first downs, and win the game in the fourth quarter when that's where the 49ers should have won the game. A lot of people were talking. You you address a lot of really good things there. Let's talk about the holding thing. A lot of people before the game were talking about how in Super Bowls, in big games, the refs are a little bit tighter with the flags, especially whenever it's a judgment call or a subjective call like holding because people say you can call that in every single play if you want. They say the refs can get a little bit tight because they don't want to be the ones that decide the outcome of the game. They want to let them play. They want to do this. They want to do that. And then they call that push-off, which was kind of a tight call. I mean, if you're calling that and you're not and, – and before, default, when Mahomes got, got hit – on the goal line and the ball came out, D Ford's held. He can't even get off the block. I'm screaming. They got, you know, there's no, look, I get, they don't want to affect the game. I get that. And I mean, that was ticky tacky on the Kittle call. There's no doubt. The offsides call was ridiculous. Garoppolo got hit out of bounds. They didn't call that. I mean, look, the chiefs won, take nothing away from it. But if you told me before the game, they were going to throw it 42 times and Fisher Schwartz, uh, Wisniewski, Ryder, the doctor, Tarda, we're not going to get called for holding. I would have said, well, just give them the trophy. We don't need to play the game. Okay, well, they did get the trophy. In uh, the fourth quarter there, specifically the last seven minutes, Patrick Mahomes seemed to find something. For the first three and a half quarters, though, I mean, he was tight. He was off. He was missing throws that he didn't normally miss. And I actually even lost a little bit of faith. I was like, oh, no, the same thing that happened to Goff and the Rams last year just happened to this Chiefs team. But instead, in that last the last three series for the Niners averaged 51 seconds per. They only rushed the ball 10 times in the second half. It basically felt like everything Shanahan was trying to do was just move the sticks as opposed to control the time, and they weren't able to do either of those, and eventually Andy Reid and Patty Mahomes got hot, and you're saying it's because they wore out the front four and they were able to get a little bit more time? No doubt. I think that's the game. And look, this game comes down to two plays. It comes down to two plays, as they all do. 
Third and 15, you got Tyreek Holmes in a tight split, Tyreek Hill in a tight split. You play cover three, they run a cover three beater on it. And let's face it, only Hill can get down the field. I mean, Mahomes backs up. Bosa's tackled on the play. He's held. Mahomes backs up and retreats. He actually underthrows the ball. But that third and 15 conversion is going to live with the 49ers for the rest of their lives. The other play that's not talked about is when Salai, the defensive coordinator, decided to call a blitz in the red zone on third and 10. Mm. and they get the pass interference, mm. Mm. and he's got man-to-man coverage. When he played man-to-man coverage, he got toasted. And I think the problem is they didn't play good enough on third down. Third and long should have been the 49ers' deal. That should have been their game. The reason Mahomes wasn't playing good was because he was getting the crap beat out of him. He was getting hit. And finally, when that pressure wore off and he could throw the ball, next thing you know, then Salai got started panic, getting a cover one game. I don't think they have enough diversity with their defense. Their defense got tired. I said this all along. I thought the 49ers had to win the second half. They had to win the time of possession in the second half. The Colts had a 22 minutes in the second half. The Texans had a 23 minutes in the second half. They had to win the second half. And instead, the Chiefs had the ball nine minutes in the fourth quarter and won the second half. Everybody's talking about, is it Jimmy G's fault? Is it Kyle Shanahan's fault? I think it's both of them. If Jimmy G hits, hits that deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders, we're having none of these conversations right now. We're talking about a complete team winning the Super Bowl. And if Shanahan chooses to run the ball just a little bit more, which they're averaging 6.9 per attempt there yesterday. Maybe they can keep Patrick Mahomes off the field a little bit more. In your eyes, now all the talking heads are saying, is it Jimmy G or Shanahan? In your eyes, who would you place more blame on? Well, I, I think blaming the quarterback's a lazy narrative. I really do. I think Respect. I blame it on their defense. I think that you know when you can't get off the field on third and ten and you're supposed to be the best defense in football – there's something wrong there. I, I mean, if you got a third and 10 in the red zone and you're supposed to be a great defense and you don't get off the field, there's something wrong there. You let them score touchdowns. I mean, if you stop them on third and 10 there, you maybe make them kick a field goal. All of a sudden, it's 20 to 13 instead of 20, 20 to 17. Now you get the ball back. I think it's a team loss. I think certainly, Kyle, if you would have told me before the game, Patrick, that the the the, the Chiefs were going to run the ball 29 times and this and the 49ers 22, I would have said you're crazy, right? Like that wasn't what I thought was going to happen. And you can blame the quarterback. Yeah, he had his moments. I thought he played well for moments of the game. There's no doubt he made some great throws. He missed some. But I think that's the lazy narrative. The narrative is simply this. The Niners' strength ended up killing him down the stretch in nine minutes to go in the game. You got a 10-point lead with 10 minutes to go in the game, and you let their best player catch a 45-yard pass on you. That's on you. Hey, live by the sword, die by the sword, Mr. Lombardi. Do you think the Niners are poised to make make another run? They've paid Jimmy G. They don't have to worry about that. Now, granted, I'm sure they have other free agents that aren't getting talked about. Are they more likely to make another run or the Chiefs, you think, who have to pay $200 million to Patrick Mahomes, which is what everybody's expecting? Well, they're not going to pay that until we get a collective bargaining agreement because they're not going to pay it blindly. They're going to know what the rules of engagement are before they enter that. So that they can table that. They need to sign Chris Jones in Kansas City. But let's just talk about the Chiefs for a moment. The Chiefs are really a, a, are about three players. They're about their great quarterback. They're about Kelsey and they're about Hill. Everybody else is interchangeable. They can find other players. I mean, they pick Steve Wisniewski up off the street. He starts left guard for him. Didn't get called for holding in the game, by the way, at all. You know, he was out of football, but didn't get called for holding in that game at all. The Niners have a little different situation. The strength of their team is their off-defensive front. Buckner, Armstead, they got to sign those guys to contracts. 
They got Solomon Thomas, who's not a great player, but he's part of their rotation. And then they've got Bosa. So they've got to put their money in the defensive front. That's the key to their football team. That's where they have to really build. I think it's going to be harder for them to get back than the Chiefs because the Niners, we know this, they were six inches away from not being the number one seed. I mean, that was a that was a close division between the Rams and them. And so there's no gimme putt for them. I, I think this was a moment they had, and they let it slip away. By the way, that was a massive tackle against the Seahawks there on the goal line is what you're referring to, I do believe. When you mentioned that collective bargaining agreement, I've been talking about this for a couple months because I think it's a lot bigger storyline than people are giving it. Now, I don't think it moves the needle for a lot of places, especially in the middle of the football season, but I think this is a massive storyline, especially with Tom Brady's a free agent, Patrick Mahomes is a free agent, Dak Prescott's a free agent, a lot of big-time quarterbacks and big-time names in this NFL are now free agents or about to be free agents but just like you said nobody's going to sign a deal until they understand what the salary cap is what the salary cap is going to be what the rules are for OTAs and all this stuff and it looks like there's it sounds like that's not going to be finished until the 11th hour which I think is common whenever you're talking about billions and billions of dollars being negotiated how do you see this all playing out I think you should have put your pinky up to your finger like that when you said games, <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, I, I, I think you're right. I think nothing gets done until the final hour. And I think that the owners and most of the, the teams want to have a deal done before they enter free agency because there's so much, are we going from cap to uncap? There's all different rules when you do that. Are we going cap to cap? How are we handling it? How are they treating this? There has to be something. And I think that's why you're seeing the Players Association having this emergency meeting to vote on 17 games. Yeah. I think the owners want to know one way or the other. Now, we've, told, we've been told that in that 17 game, there's a lot of caveats that the players are getting that they might want to reconsider the 17-game season or not, obviously. I don't know what they are. And, uh, but I do know that I think there has to be some kind of deal in place because there's so many contracts. Like, how do you extend a deal and you don't really know what you're extending to? Yeah, and also I think there has to be an extra bye week if they go to 17, so that's two extra weeks that they have to pay people, which just adds on to everybody's contract, at least equal payment. I would assume in negotiation, though, you can even maybe say 110% of my payment I would like for two extra weeks. There's so much to be decided, and then a lot of big names are up for grabs, and Tom Brady continues to stir the storyline plot last night on Hulu talks about how TV isn't going anywhere or something like that. And then he says, just like me, I'm not going anywhere. I think the way Tom Brady has played, this has been just masterful. I think potentially last night on the sideline during the NFL top 100 uh, announcements that Tom and Bill could have talked a little bit, and maybe gained some ground too. How do you think you see that ultimately ending up? And just like you said, nobody's going to get signed before a new CBA. Could this thing drag on a bit? And will the Tom Brady, I'm just dragging everybody along saga continue? No, I mean, knowing Belichick, he's, he's a planner. He's detailed. He's going to want to get an answer at some point. And I think now that the Super Bowl's over, now that everybody's back to zero to zero, it's all everybody's starting all over again. I think there'll probably be some meetings in the next two or three weeks to kind of get some resolution of this. They'll have a better understanding of the collective bargaining agreement at some point. 
I think these are all tied together. I think that's why when Clark Hunt said we're not going to do anything with Patrick Mahomes until two years, he was referring to the CBA. Mm. And I think that's a little bit like with Brady, and, and that, that has to get worked out before we enter in this. But there's a lot of quarterbacks, whether it's Drew Brees comes back, whether what do they do with Tyson Hill in New Orleans? Do they sign him? Teddy Bridgewater. We got Phillip Rivers. What's going to happen with Jameis Winston? There's a, It's mm. so much. It's going to be really an interesting offseason more than ever. The CBA is going to just loom over everything, too. And nobody's really talking about it. But the CBA is affecting more contract negotiations and decisions right now than anything else. And nobody's really chatting about it because you can't negotiate when you don't know what you're able to negotiate with. And that's no, both no. sides of the. That's both sides. Tom has no idea how much the team's going to have. Mm -hmm. The team has no idea how much they're going to have. They have no clue how much they should value somebody. I mean, this is a very in-depth thing where a lot of questions are going to be left for a long time time until that thing's signed and i think the one question we know for sure is and, 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 and you know when this leaked out that the raiders would be interested in tom brady mm -hmm. i mean what that really tells us and i said this on my podcast today that the raiders really as much as they want to lie about it they're not happy with Derek carr <laughs> they want that they want something these stories don't keep coming out if they love Derek carr you're, you know, you're, and he has a very tradable contract, a very tradable contract. You're a general manager for the Browns. You worked in the Patriots. You've been around the NFL for a long time. Is there any a human? Is there ever been a human in the NFL that you've seen that has been more revered than Andy Reid? Feels like everybody is happy for Andy Reid getting the monkey off his back finally. It, it really is, and I mean, Andy's a, a really a wonderful guy. Going back to the guy that deserves a lot of credit for Andy Reid becoming a head coach in the NFL, and nobody's going to talk about it. The people at the Eagles take credit for finding him, but the reason Andy Reid became a head coach in the NFL was because of Ray Rhodes. Hmm. Ray Rhodes. The, the former head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles wanted to hire Andy Reid. He was with him on the Green Bay staff. He saw him as a great coach. And he talked about him excessively to Philadelphia, the people at Philadelphia. So when Gruden left, he wanted to hire him as the coordinator. He couldn't get him because the rules then didn't allow you to change and all that. Those conversations that Bray Rhodes had to Jeff Lurie, to Joe Banner, about how great Andy Reid was, led them to take the chance for him to become a head coach. And uh, Ray Rhodes had a lot to do with Andy Reid's success. I think Andy's been a guy that works his tail off. He's never really – he's taken criticism for his game management, some rightly so, but his teams have always played well. And, he's, and, and I thought yesterday his team was really tough. I thought they were tough-minded. Old Ray Rhodes knew what he was talking about. <laughs> uh, I'm happy for Andy. I'm happy for our friendship, Mr. Lombardi. Your brain has made me a smarter human. I appreciate you. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate you, too. Thanks for all your help. Hey, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I I would say all roads lead through Kansas City. I mean, Patrick Mahomes now. Let, let me say, I mean, is there any lead safe with this guy? I mean, you better sit down and really spend a lot of time figuring out. Because he didn't bring his A game with him yesterday because he got the hell beat out of him. And he's tougher than heck. I had a defensive coordinator in the league text me during the game saying, I think they got him rattled. And I thought at that time they did. But he unrattled in a hurry. Who was the defense coordinator that texted you? Just so we know. Just so we know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't reveal my sources. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lombardi. Appreciate you, man. The NFL Honors Show was on Saturday night. And I watched 
with bated breath uh, about how it would all go. I think Peyton Manning handled the Kobe Bryant situation in beautiful fashion. Mm-hmm. Steve Harvey had a couple of race jokes off the top, which I respect because in the NFL locker room, that happens on a very regular basis. A lot of white people get made fun of. Uh, black folks get made fun of for getting beat by white people. I mean, this is just a very standard type of comedy in the NFL, so I appreciated that. I assume his jokes and jest about the violence of football in the middle of an entire PR campaign about it not being that violent. I, I think that be something that's interesting i think steve harvey handled the the night in a way that i'll be excited to see how everybody in the executive world of the nfl views it but all in all pretty good show i think congratulations to calais campbell on winning walter payton man of the year i had no idea he was a homeless uh in high school and then he went on obviously to become a big time nfl guy wins the walter payton man of the year congratulations to stefan gilmore winning defensive player of the year and offensive player of the year was michael thomas michael thomas who can't guard him Drew Brees gave him that award. Good for him. And then the MVP, unanimous selection. No other finalist. Uh, Lamar Jackson got it. I think they got it right, by the way, because that's a season award. Mm-hmm. It's not a playoff award. Coach of the year was Harbaugh. 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 Harbaugh, which makes sense because what the Baltimore Ravens were able to do this season will be something that doesn't get talked about, by the way, because Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs winning. Lamar Jackson dominated the conversation instead of Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs stumbled in the middle of the season pretty mightily and the Baltimore Ravens did not. The, it actually was the complete opposite. The Baltimore Ravens got incredibly hot as the Chiefs were kind of figuring it out. As the Chiefs, you know, a quarterback gets a dislocated patella and it pops back into place. Their offense isn't always clicking. The defense wasn't doing their thing. The Ravens team was a team that everybody was talking about being dominant in the AFC for the next 10 years because they have Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson did things on a football field that people hadn't done in a long, long time. He was making professional athletes look very silly. It was like Michael Vick was back in there, but with an even better arm uh, not stronger, but an even better passing game and an elite ability to kind of break down film in an offense that was surrounded completely for him in a world where the offense is very different than what he was able to do. I respect and appreciate the NFL giving him the MVP award. I respect and appreciate everything that the Baltimore Ravens were able to do this year. But I, it begs the question, the Baltimore Ravens are in the AFC. Is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens the dominant team in the AFC? Or is this the Chiefs' division in conference until they want it to no longer be the case? I mean, we didn't talk about Patrick Mahomes all year because Lamar Jackson was the topic of conversation. I called Lamar Jackson an anomaly, which he is. He's playing football differently than everybody else. But Patrick Mahomes might be the unicorn in this whole thing. He might be just the golden goose that comes in the NFL and changes up the entire game. A guy that can throw the ball better than everybody else. A guy that can run, that is tough, and has Andy Reid drawing up plays for him. Is this the team that is going to be the team that's going to be tough to handle for the next 10 years? Or are the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson going to be able to have that success that they had in the regular season and carry it into the postseason as opposed to what they've been able to do? last couple years that is the one thing that we were robbed of this season was a great run by the tennessee titans but would have loved to have watched lamar jackson lamar jackson and patrick mahomes play in an afc championship i agree would have absolutely loved that i i think that lamar jackson and patrick mahomes playing against each other is something i would like to see probably seven if they have 17 games next year i'd like to see that 17 besides james winston they're probably the two most (laughs) exciting people to watch in the nfl right now let's go to ed in dallas ed what's going on pal uh, you know, just enjoying this money making Monday. Hey, I like a little money making Monday. What do you want to talk about, Ed? Uh, I want to talk about 
I love everything that's happened for Big Red winning the title, but nobody seems to mention Eric Bieniemy's job, keeping everybody calm and cool on the sideline. Want to get your take on it? Appreciate your show. Hey, no problem. Thank you, Ed. I agree, Eric Bieniemy. Now, I don't know who's all doing what, right? I don't think any of us know. I, I said this on Rich Eisen's show. Pro Football Focus voted me punter of the decade. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> hey. In pro football focus on the offensive side of the ball, they can't know what everybody's job is for each play. Just like on the defensive side, they can't know what everybody's job is for each play. So if a safety is supposed to cover for a corner, but they don't think that that's supposed to happen, they obviously are going to misread it. But for kicking and punting, there isn't much really to figure out who did what. It's pretty an outright number, right? So that title from them meant a lot to me. That's the same thing, I think, whenever you look at this Chiefs team. It's like, how much is Andy Reid doing, and how much is Eric Bieniemy doing? I think Bieniemy is right there next to Andy Reid the entire time. I think Bieniemy has become an incredible coach, whether it's through osmosis from Andy Reid. Andy Reid's coaching tree is a very impressive one. And if Bieniemy is doing a lot of the calling, a lot of the deciding, a lot of the strategery for this Chiefs team, he deserves a lot more credit than anybody's giving him. The fact that he wasn't up for any jobs and didn't get any jobs, mind-blowing to me, just like Robert Salah as well mind-blowing that he didn't get a job very very happy for Bienemy, and i think for the chiefs it's good that he's around continuity is a good thing especially for a team that just won it all Bienemy mentioned last night because uh, he was talking about the play where they ran like essentially like the wing t play in mm-hmm. the uh the red zone to score the touchdown he said they pulled that from like the 1938 rose bowl mm-hmm. 48. So, 48 48 yeah so i'm assuming uh you know like i don't know like you said how much he's actually calling the plays but i would imagine that he's very heavily involved do you think when they do that he just YouTube's like greatest plays of all time and like the 1948 Rose Bowl shows up and he's like yeah you got to remember the film people at the NFL are also talented people as well right Mm -hmm. so you can say hey I need a clip from blah 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 and there's like interns and stuff that are supposed to call these Zito what did did Cuban Z just pull this picture out right here yes sir if you're watching along at home we have the 1948 Rose Bowl directly next to the Super Bowl 54 play where they in sync choreograph spin moves snap to directly bang almost a touchdown first time uh, first down to Damian Williams um great pull there Z anytime that's very impressive Uh, Cuban Z is not only a he's a fast worker (laughs) 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 Um, I'm happy for the Chiefs getting to keep him and I think a lot of people would assume that the rest of the NFL that was hiring probably missed out on him. Let's assume his name goes straight to the top of the ranks next year for head coach. He was game. interviewed places. He just just didn't get the job. Next year, yeah. Wow, that was really good. Oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Did you hear those things that were said in there? Beautiful. Man, whenever people start talking like that, I start going, wow, this is really good talking shit. <laughs> you really know what good. I mean? Isn't that what you think? Yeah. What was that message you wrote to uh, your significant other on his Valentine's Day, Connor? The best personality. I love you so much. Uh, I hope you're doing well at school. (laughs) 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 Everyone always talks about how important it is to get a good night's sleep. Everyone. But that advice can be hard to follow when things like work. Ever heard of it? Mm -hmm. Social events. Yeah. Yeah. How about existential dread? Yeah, that too. Oh, that makes it hard to shut your mind off at night, doesn't it, Gumpy? Yes, sir. If any of that sounds familiar, don't worry about it because CBDMD has a powerful product that can help you get the rest you need to feel your absolute best, and that's CBDPM. CBDPM blends 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD with melatonin, valerian root, 
chamomile and other sleep promoting ingredients to create a powerful and effective sleep aid zito what did you say about the valerian root and the uh chamomile that you that you really noticed in the cbd pm that you took the other day it soothes very well soothes oh yeah it's like you're in a spa but really it's your body that's in that state oh isn't yeah it? oh yeah exactly how i said it what do you take it 30 minutes before you go to sleep and it just puts you out like 30 a 32 minutes yeah yeah, and you're not sleeping. You're resting. Oh, yeah. You're revitalizing. Oh, yeah. When you hit that REM cycle. Oh, oh REM. REM, 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 If that was my key, it broke down halfway. To make it even easier to try CBDPM and get that REM cycle sleep or any of the other CBDMD premium oil CBD oil products, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code McAfee at CBDMD.com. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, for 25% off your purchase of high-quality CBD oil products from CBDMD. Hey, this shit works. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 30 minutes, a little drop under your tongue. You let it sit there for like 30 seconds to a minute. Get some water, wash it down, head to the bed. Night-night. Nighty-night. See you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, formerly defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. He is the guy, the mastermind behind the interception of Russell Wilson on the damn goal line. Now the head coach of the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia. What up, Matt? Thanks. Good. I mean, you don't really need them, but can you can look professional if you want. All right, I'll, I'll, we'll go. All right. <laughs> hey, so this year, obviously injured quarterback. Yep. A lot of other things happen. Move a guy out of town. You have other things. You're settling in now for another year. Going into the final couple weeks of the season, what was your mindset for the Detroit Lions like for you? What was your mindset? Like, hey, we got to build to get better, to propel into next year? Or were you like, I have no idea if I'm going to be here next year? Like, what was the thoughts in your mind? <laughs> uh, you know what? Honestly, for me, it's the same. You know, every week's the same. And, and the mindset was, hey, we got to go win this week. Uh, you know, and it doesn't matter who's out there. We got to try to figure it out and we got to go find a way to win and, and be competitive. And, um, you know, it has to be that constant because, you know, all those guys are out there. They're the ones playing in between the white lines. And, you know, from my standpoint, I want to do everything possible to give them a chance to win. What was that dude's name? Drew Plow? Uh, David Blau. <laughs> you yeah, you yeah. want to get yeah. <laughs> the incredible coaching. I'm not knocking that guy. I'm not knocking that guy, obviously. But uh, David Blau, I'm so sorry that that uh, happened. I thought his name was Drew for sure. Yeah, That's 100% on me. Um, boiler up. Boiler up, for sure. Okay. We have a diehard Lions fan down here, Evan Fox. Diehard. This guy. Nice. Appreciate it. Thank you. One of his, Beard looks good. Hey, hey, oh, no. wow. There you go. There you go. That was a massive yeah, compliment. Yeah. yeah, he's the head coach. <laughs> so he was worried. He was very worried that because there was a sign of trouble, that the team was going to potentially go in a different direction. Whenever they decided to retain you and made it publicly, he was very, very excited. He was like, at least we're going to have a chance to yeah. see if a guy works, right? Because that's kind of been the move. What is the thing that you have to do to take the next step for the Detroit Lions, you think? Well, you know, and I appreciate that. appreciate the support. Um, I think the biggest thing for, you know, for me, and, and look, I'm, I meet with Mrs. Ford and her family and uh, the organization. We meet every week, you know, and we talk about where we're going, what we've done, what we've been able to do. Uh, certainly, we're judged by our record you know that's that's just what that's it is that's what it is in the nfl but um we also understand we're trying to build something you know we're trying to come in and we're trying to start with uh, the great players that are here that uh, we can build on top of but also lay a foundation trying to get a roster that has guys that um have been drafted by organization that are still on our team 
you know, when you look at the roster and some of those things that you're trying to build upon, um, you know, you have to do it from the ground up. So understanding that is a process, that is something we're trying to go through and do. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm excited to have another opportunity to do that because I think it does take time. You know, you can't just uh, come in and buy a team. I think if you could do that, a lot of these owners would have done it already. You know, and it, it is something that you have to build. And um, that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, I think that part of it's, uh, you know, I appreciate them coming out with that support uh, for me. Um, you know, that definitely helps. But uh, my mindset's always the same. It doesn't matter. Um, every day for me is just trying to get in the building to make sure I still got a job. So I think uh, it, it takes, doesn't change. I think it takes bamboo like five years to grow or something like that. Yeah, it's true. I believe true. It. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it's a great analogy, too. And I think, uh, <laughs> you know, you obviously are, you know, doing some agriculture here. So uh, I would say from that standpoint, you know, the roots, right? What yes. is it, bamboo two years with the roots under the ground? and never even see it. And then the third year, it finally shows and it goes from there. So, uh, you know, way to be on that metaphor. It was good. Well, I... I'm a, I'm a show host, man. Yeah. I am a professional radio show host. You see me here at Radio Row. Um, your team is a team that I think early showed glimpses of greatness. Glimpses of greatness. I mean, that Arizona Cardinals team, you guys tied them. A lot of people were talking about, like, oh, that was a tie. Towards the end there, that Arizona Cardinals team became a problem for a lot of people. For you guys, when you look at the division, right, Aaron Rodgers is not going anywhere, right? He's not going anywhere. The Bears, who knows what's going to happen with them. The Vikings seem to have found something. What is it about that division you think is going to be able to get you guys over the hump? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I think it's a extremely competitive division you know and it's fun you know the black and blue division i'm trying to bring it back you know I oh mean, let's go you know i love that physical style of football and uh i think it's something we're all about you know trying to get back to just being being physical being aggressive and uh you know i think there's great teams they're all great um and all those games are you know competitive for us and we just got to find a way to win I what mean, that's the you changed thing. though i changed there's no Ticonderoga pencil on you right now. There is no, there is no Ticonderoga. Are I you know. done? No, I, uh, it's it's in my hotel room, uh, also sitting by my wallet, which I forgot too. So, uh, I'm, I'm good at that. I'm down there, at, you know, at security, trying to make sure they Google my picture so I can get in. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's me. Can you just like, please, you know, please? I, I forgot my wallet. Don't make me go back. Let's talk about the game this weekend. You've played in a lot of these games. Yep. What is the thing about coaching in the Super Bowl that people don't tell you about? Is it the yeah. week leading up about all of the ridiculousness that's happening yeah. outside the building? What is it about coaching in the Super Bowl? Um, you know what? You're probably spot on. I think it's it, there's a lot. There's a lot of aspects to this game that are just different. You know, um, certainly when you're home for the first week of preparation, um, you know, the early part of the week you're dealing with tickets, you're dealing with hotel rooms, you're dealing with family, basically anything that's like not important to the game. Uh, and then you go and you you get back into those three or four days of practice, which is just grind it out, put the game plan in, get ready to go. You get down here for the most part, the first day that, you know, the media part of it's great. You know, you start to feel the energy, then you go back to practice. And then, you know, really Thursday night is about when the families come, they come into town. Uh, you start to feel the intensity of the Super Bowl. And then the biggest part of the game that I think uh, you don't realize is the game is actually two separate games. There's the first half and the second half. The ebbs and flows of the game are something that it just, you, you don't have any experience of uh, in the regular season. Uh, you know, the first half, there's there's commercial breaks, there's, you know, ball exchanges coming in and out. There's all those things that just break up the game. And then you get to the second half and it feels like a normal game. The rhythm of the game's, you know, wow. back to normal. And you have to be able to coach it that way. Two different types of games and how you're going to approach that. Do you ever think like, hey, like Kyle Shanahan, for instance, he only had to throw the ball eight times against the Packers to win that game. 
Do you think as a defensive guy, like, hey, this guy is probably sitting on four to five trick plays that they could potentially pull yeah. out of their ass because this is the last game. They're not going to sit on him for the rest of the offseason. Sure. Is that something you have to think about? And how do you even think about preparing for something like that? Well, there's no doubt, and it's two weeks of preparation. So, you know, you have two weeks to, to prepare. There's definitely something on tape that either you've given up or they've seen. They might have saw it in college football. You know, it might be something that they're kind of working on that they say, hey, this is something we might have to pull out and use uh, in the game that they're not going to be prepared for. And, uh, you know, you just as a defensive guy at that point, you have to just trust that your rules, your fundamental are going to be able to handle it. Your players are going to be able to recognize it and go. But I think Kyle, uh, knowing him uh, very well, I think he does a phenomenal job with the game plan. And given, you know, Jimmy, knowing Jimmy and just, you know, letting Jimmy play the game that he can play to win that week. It'll be different last week than it is this week. What was Jimmy like in practice, running the practice squad? Jimmy was great. I mean, he was out there. He was very, you know, he'd come into my office, hey, what do you need to see this week? Uh, what's the cadence look like? What's, uh, you know, how does he operate the huddle? He just tried to do everything he could every week to, you know, to emulate the quarterback we were going to play. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I remember Jimmy G, one of the biggest moments was it was a preseason game against Washington. And, you know, you get young quarterbacks as a defensive guy or a defensive coordinator. You're like, hey, let's dial it up. Let's go. You know, let's, let's mess with them a little bit here, you know. Um, but I remember the Washington game. He went in and that light bulb came on. And you saw him out there making plays. And you're like, wow, this guy's it's pretty unbelievable. There's a guy. Here. Yeah, there's a guy that can go out and in, in the game. Um, he is dialed in, focused, and you could see everybody, you know, especially as a quarterback, you could see those other guys on offense kind of rise up and we're like, okay, we got it, let's go. And that was a really cool moment that, uh, that I, you know, I distinctly remember with him. Okay, the old cliche is defense wins championships. Absolutely. But, hey, no, no, Matt. No, no, no. <laughs> the rules have changed the game. The rules have changed the game in favor of the offense. It's when, a fantasy when, football win. When, when did that, in the real game or fantasy? <laughs> what are we talking about? Because I think in the real world, world. And this is my actual belief. My actual belief is that with the way the modern world is with the offenses, and, and I mean, fantasy football has impacted it. So has health, I believe. Sure. Opening up the middle of the field a little bit more seams and stuff like that. I feel like the game is more shaped towards an offensive style of football. Well, as a defensive coach, I would say the rules are probably slanted that way. I would say points, uh, points are important. I think uh, people like to see high-scoring games. Uh, if you're on that side of the ball, so you know certainly, you know. But people, you're saying if you have a smothering defense, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I think it doesn't change. I think if you can, if you can run the ball, you can stop the run. Um, you know, if you can do those things in playoff football and in championship football, um, you know, you're going to put yourself in position to win. Diggs, you got some. Yeah, um, you have a great young wide receiver in Galladay. That's a nice uh, uh, emblem right there. Too, Thank you, I appreciate so. that. I'm good to. now, but probably a couple years ago. <laughs> a little bit upset about that. He's uh, wearing a Steelers gold chain, by the way. <laughs> have you ever it. had like one too many one night and thought about calling Calvin Johnson and been like, hey, maybe come back for a year or two. Help us out. Yeah. Um, the one too many at night, that's kind of something I'm struggling with in general. <laughs> right now, so, uh, uh, you know what? I've actually spoken with him uh, numerous occasions. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He's He's great. Um, um, I'm real appreciative of his help, his advice. Um, believe me, if I could get him out there, sure, he still got uh, it. I, yeah, I would throw a couple. <laughs> I would throw a couple to him right now. He'd probably go get him. Hey, coach, I am so thankful you stopped by yeah. here. You I have was... one of my good friends on your show. Who? Michael Francis. Yeah, that's, that's my guy. He won't follow the me. yuppie Don. He won't follow me on Twitter. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't follow you on Twitter either. Uh, <laughs> that's because I don't have social media. Well, that's why. Look around. <laughs> See, he does. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that guy. Yeah, it's my guy. He's the best. He's unbelievable. I've known him forever. He came and spoke at West Virginia when I was there. Yeah. And I remembered his thought so much that whenever yeah. I came into pros, I was like, as soon as I get a show, I want to talk to that yeah. guy. He was yeah. electric on it. He's, he's the best. And, and uh, it's a great message. It's a great story. 
uh, now, you know, and what he's trying to put out there. Um, he came to the Super Bowl. When we were in Minnesota. He was, he was great. Hung out with my family. He's, he's, he's a great guy. He's yuppie Don, by the way, like a uh, made man in the mafia that turned his life around and is still alive. And somehow. So you know where Hoffa is. Where's Hoffa at? Patricia? I mean, you know, I am Italian. So are you? Gotta, are you? Oh, is it time to go? We gotta, <laughs> are you Italian? Hey, and Detroit. There's rumors in Detroit. So is he very, very Italian, by the way? I love it. I love it. Well, we got I see the horn. I saw the horn. Yeah. I noticed. I didn't know you were Italian. I had no idea. Patricia? It might have been changed a few times. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> Coach, good luck this upcoming season. I'm happy they kept you around for another year, as is Foxy and most, I assume, a majority of Lions fans, to watch you continue to build something special over there. Hey, be like that bamboo. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, just plant the, seeds. The, gro- the roots are growing. That was, that was, I think you should tweet that out there. <laughs> yeah, we already did. We already, already did. We already did. Well, let me say this. Yeah. I'm proud of you for what you're doing. This is great. You've really, you've come a long way. You're like, you know, we, we kind of go way back and, and uh, from battling on the field, but uh, you're doing great, man. It's awesome. I'm proud of you. We're not on that set. Uh, not yet, right? Not yet. Hey, not will yet. you? What's a motivational speech from Matt Patricia sound like? Do you motivate? Do you do a lot of motivators? Or like, man, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I don't know. That's probably good. I, sometimes, you know, you walk out of meetings, you're like, what the hell did I just say right there? <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm pretty sure I dropped a few f bombs that are going to get me in trouble. And, uh, you know, uh, you try to forget sometimes. Hey, I um, I'm coming fresh off of like six flights a week for the last four months, okay. and then the XFL season just begins next week. Is there any energy you could maybe uh, give me to, to power through here the next couple months? I mean, I think you got it. You got Pizza Hut up here. I mean, <laughs> I can't tell who your sponsors are. I'm not really sure right now. These are mine. But, uh, I'm just saying we got, uh, you know, you, you rip a couple of those. Be all, right. <laughs> all right. So is that the gift bag I get when I leave? Yeah. No, you brought us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Look around you. It's a wireless world and everyone needs, ladies and gentlemen, head coach of the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia. Thank you so much. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Connor, what was that personalized message of love that you sent to your significant other for Valentine's Day? It's not the beauty on the outside. It's the beauty on the inside. Keep getting straight A's at school. <laughs> Gets better and better. Your credit card probably gives you what? 1% cash back? But what does your bank account give you? Most banks give you 0.1% APY interest on your savings. But you should be earning more, Gumpy. Way more. Way more. Hey, way, way more. more. Well, with the Wealthfront Cash Account, you earn more interest on your savings. Imagine you're trying to achieve something, and it would take you 50 years to do it. Now, imagine you could achieve the same damn thing in just four months. Isn't that better? Way better. Let's say you have $20,000. With typical banks, it would take you 50 years to earn the same amount of interest it would take you just four months to earn with Wealthfront. This sounds like (laughs) a cheat code. Every year we make resolutions. We eat healthier, we get to the gym, get your finances in order. This year... This month of February, let's make a resolution you can actually keep and earn more money. The Wealthfront Cash Account makes it effortless to earn more on your savings so you can be proud of your financial decisions in 2020. What was that message you wrote to her again? What was it? You're the best. I love you so much. Never fail in school. And don't forget to do this thing to (laughs) save some money. (laughs) Very touching. Very, very touching. I love you, by the way. With the Wealthfront. Wow. At the end, I, I had to cap it off. With the Wealthfront Cash Account, you earn more interest on your money. They have one of the highest interest rates on the market at 1.78% annual percentage yield. That's 19 times more interest than the national average of 0.09%. 19 times. 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 That was just nine times. Yeah. 
Do it 10 times on top of that. <laughs> it's easy and fast to get started. It only takes $1 and a few minutes to open an account. You can even do it right from your damn phone. No paperwork required. There are no fees and your money is FDIC insured up to $1 million through their partner banks. Wealthfront's client trusts them with over $22 billion, and clients have earned over $70 million in interest with their Wealthfront cash. This sounds like a G code here. Yeah. It really does. I, I don't know how this works. I'm excited to get involved, though. <laughs> Listen, these types of opportunities don't just show up all the time. Nope. Okay? Nope. You just jump in this one. And maybe You know what you do? You swan dive belly flop into this thing, mm-hmm. just like okay. I did the Brazos for 19 times, 19, 19 times, times more interest yeah. than the average. Right now, you can sign up for the Wealthfront Cash account in less than five minutes by visiting wealthfront.com forward slash McAfee. Go to wealthfront.com forward slash McAfee and start earning 19 times more interest on all your savings. That's wealthfront.com forward slash McAfee. Wealthfront is on a bank. Cash account is offered by Wealthfront Brokerage LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. Wealthfront conveys funds to partner banks who accept and maintain deposits, provide the interest rate, and provide FDIC insurance. The APY is subject to change. Wealthfront.com forward slash McAfee. I hope that personalized message of love works for you, Bob. Yeah, she hasn't responded to any of them, but this is the one. (laughs) I can tell you why. Those messages stink. (laughs) All right, that's it for today. A lot of fun. Big thanks to everybody. I hope you enjoyed the hell out of the Super Bowl. We did. Um, great NFL season, we thought, honestly. Tweet us your favorite moment from this NFL season, and you could potentially end up on our NFL recap video. Mm-hmm. That always does very well. Uh, so we want you to be a part of it. For myself, Canadian Gumpy, Nick Morado, Connor, Ty Zito, uh, Evan Foxy, Old Tone Diggs, and everybody at the PMI office, we appreciate the hell out of you listening to the show, watching the show, whatever the hell you're doing. Uh, Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.
Thank you.